Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another special episode of Beyond the Abstract. I'm Dan here with Derek. How's it going, Derek? Hey, Dan. I'm good. Happy New Year. Happy 2023. How was your New Year counting down? What did you do? Extremely chill. My partner was on call, so we had to be within like 10 minutes of the hospital. We just watched TV and cheers at midnight and drink a little bubbly. That was about it. How about you? I feel like one of the better parts of getting older is caring less about having New Year's plans. That was such a thing back in the day. I feel like now it's more acceptable to just hang out. Oh, absolutely. I love that for us. The peer pressure was so real. I feel like I would like get stressed about not having like exciting New Year's plans. And now I could not think of anything more stressful than being like packed in a bar, sweating with other people, breathing on me, counting down to the New Year's. Like that actually sounds like my own personal nightmare. I know. I was jet lagged and I went to sleep and it was great. Ooh, jet lag. He likes to travel. <laughs> Where were you going? Where were you? Did a little trip to Morocco, actually. Ooh. Ride any camels? Rode a camel and that was about it. (laughs) Went to Morocco, rode a camel, came back. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. But we have a very cool episode today, a little bit different, and it's not based around an article. It's actually based around an idea. Wow. I feel inspired. (laughs) So we're calling this episode how new drugs are changing the game for obesity treatment. Wow, changing the game. I love that. What's the big deal here? So typically, we do a deep dive into new basic science research and speculate about what impact it might have on medicine down the line. Today, we're going to flip that around and explore a class of revelatory new medications with a peek back at how we got here. All right. I love a good, you know, life story, a journey. I'm very intrigued. Let's get into it. So it's no secret that obesity is a modern epidemic. In the U.S., about 4 in 10 Americans are obese, with obesity defined as a body mass index of greater than 30, which corresponds to a weight of about 200 pounds if you're 5 feet 8 inches tall. Obesity worsens a wide range of chronic medical conditions, including diabetes and heart disease. Sure. So can you remind me, how is obesity currently treated? Treatment for obesity falls into three main groups. The first group is lifestyle adjustment, including dieting and exercise. The second group is medication use, and there are many weight loss drugs on the market. Unfortunately, none of them work great. They don't cause enormous amounts of weight loss, and they have side effects. Typical weight loss with them is 5%, maybe 10% of body weight. The last group is devices and surgery, including bariatric surgery. Surgery can lead to significant weight loss in the 5 to 30% range, but of course comes with the costs and risks of an invasive procedure like that. It sounds like until recently, the medications didn't work that well. And I'm guessing that's where our story starts today. Indeed, indeed. So our story today starts actually not with obesity, but with a related condition called diabetes. Diabetes is a state where the level of sugar in your blood is too high. 
For a quick biology review, when you eat a meal, the sugars in that meal go into your blood and your pancreas senses that increase in sugars and releases insulin, a hormone that tells the rest of the body to take up that new sugar in the blood, thereby lowering the level of sugar in the blood. Diabetes is a complex condition, but at the most basic level, insulin is not functioning correctly in diabetes, which leaves the sugar floating around the blood, which causes all sorts of problems. For more than 100 years, researchers have studied whether there are other pathways that cause the body to release insulin, since finding them could help them find new ways to release insulin to help treat diabetes. Now, a number of decades ago, researchers discovered a hormone which they call GLP-1, which is released by the intestines after you eat and stimulates the release of insulin. Let me make sure I got this right. Researchers characterized this new pathway for controlling blood sugar with the GLP-1 hormone. Couldn't they just give GLP-1 to people with diabetes then? That's a good question, so not quite. GLP-1 is rapidly removed from blood circulation by the body naturally, so you'd have to give a dose of it every hour or something terrible like that for a therapeutic effect. But the clever scientists at Novo Nordisk came up with a clever way to protect GLP-1 from removal. Basically, this modified GLP-1 gets to hide with albumin, which protects it from being removed. The first of these modified GLP-1 drugs from Novo Nordisk was called liraglutide. The bummer about this was it had to be injected every day. But the folks at Novo Nordisk came up with an even better way to get albumin to hide the drug, which brings us to the current version, semaglutide, which is given once a week. Semaglutide was approved for diabetes treatment in 2017 under the brand name Ozempic. But perhaps the most remarkable thing in those trials was the side effect of weight loss, which brings us to the main trial that we'll talk about today. Okay, so just to summarize, scientists at Novo Nordisk came up with a way to make this drug last a week, and it worked well for diabetes, but also led to weight loss. Now we have all these trials just for weight loss. What happened in these trials? Last year, Novo Nordisk published a huge trial of semaglutide in the prestigious New England Journal of Medicine. The trial involved 129 sites across 16 countries around the world. They recruited about 2,000 people with varying levels of obesity. Everyone in the trial received lifestyle interventions, so they dieted and they increased the amount of exercise. Two-thirds of people were randomly selected to receive shots of the drug every week, while about one-third of people got placebo. So um, they didn't know if they were receiving the drug or not, but they didn't receive any active medication. After about a year, the trial ended, and people on the drug had an average weight loss of about 35 pounds, corresponding to 15% of body weight, compared to people with a placebo who lost only about 5 pounds, or 2% of body weight. Looked at a different way, when looking at people who lost more than 45 pounds in the trial, one in three people on the drug lost at least that much, while only one in 50 on the placebo lost that much. Clearly, this drug is doing something. 
Wow, that's pretty remarkable, especially when you consider that you said other drugs maybe at most give you like 5 to 10% of weight loss. Here you're getting 15% on average and sometimes even more. And when you look at the numbers, that's actually about the same amount of weight loss as people who get bariatric surgery, right? Did the drug have any side effects? It can't be this amazing. The most common side effect was GI issues like nausea or vomiting, seen in about 75% of people in the drug, though not wildly higher than the 50% or so of people on placebo who reported similar GI side effects. Okay, so it seems like the side effects are actually pretty minimal. And to review, how does this drug for diabetes lead to weight loss? It's somewhat hand-wavy, but the major pathways seem to be by slowing how quickly food leaves the stomach, making you feel more full and then you eat less, and also acting on pathways in the brain that tell you you are full and also make you eat less. Cool. Okay, so there seems to be some biology or biological principles behind this. What's happened to the drug since that trial? Has it been approved for obesity? Last year, just a couple of months after the trial came out, the FDA approved semaglutide weekly injections under the very fun name Wagovi. I, I love the little Italian accent spin you put on that. Wagovi. Conveniently, it's the only way that I remember how to pronounce it, and it just makes it sound way more fun. So I'm sticking with it. <laughs> but wow, that's quite a story from the development of drugs based on GLP-1 biology, to these enormous, honestly, international trials. I mean, 129 sites is, like, huge. It's always amazing to see a bench-to-bedside dream come true. I've seen these drugs talked about on social media and with celebrities, which, you know, I love to see celebrities and people on TikTok talking about science, but, like, what's going on with that? Yeah, so the first thing I'll say is these drugs have become really famous. Celebrities are using them to lose weight, getting doctors to prescribe Ozempic, which is, again, approved for diabetes, to them. And there was speculation that one of the Kardashians used one recently. Even Elon Musk, in all his chaos these days, recently tweeted that he lost a bunch of weight by, quote, fasting and Wagovi. Second, it's also important to know that these drugs right now aren't getting to many of the people who need them the most. Manufacturing hasn't largely kept up with demand. And these drugs are also really expensive on the order of thousands of dollars per year and currently not covered by Medicare. They also need to be taken indefinitely and they're given by shot. And that's tough. Not only for the cost, but how they're delivered. So I think a question going forward for development of drugs in this class is whether they can be given less frequently and whether um, you can get the same effect by taking it as a pill instead of needing injections. Yeah, that's interesting. When you think about equitable medicine and making sure that everyone who needs the treatments they need um, have access to them, this seems to be a pretty big roadblock. It seems like only rich people really are able to access this right now. Where do you think these drugs are heading in the future? 
So first, I think it's hard to overstate the impact that these drugs are having and will have. They've become the first-line choice for weight loss medications and have similar effects to bariatric surgery. The drugs that we talked about today are the first in these class of naturally occurring hormones that assist with weight loss and diabetes management. And I think going forward, there'll be likely more discovery of other molecules that can have similar effects. It's exciting to think about the undiscovered pathways that are in our body that evolved that we can likely harness to develop therapies to help people. So I think this is the beginning of a new era, likely, of um, obesity management through medicines, using the ones we talked about today, ones that we will discover, and I think will likely have a huge public health impact because obesity is a really big problem and it's increasing. And I think these drugs will likely be an important tool in the medical toolbox for treating obesity going forward. Totally. Obesity is such a big risk factor for so many different diseases. So I think like these new avenues of treatment could be totally game-changing, like you said. All right. Thanks so much for doing a really deep dive into this recent breakthrough. Sounds really cool and promising. Just living that bench-to-bedside MD-PhD dream, Derek. It's nice to see, though, that there is, you know, some good that comes out of our years of grinding at the bench, or in your case, the computer, I guess. (laughs) All right, Derek. Thanks a lot. Talk soon. Bye. Bye.